Hey guys, welcome back to the Clinical Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Earl, and I got another episode lined up for you today. We are going to go over the report of findings and the five items on your checklist that you need to go over every single time you have a new patient in your functional rehab or physical therapy clinic. These are really important. I'm not going to tell you exactly what to say. It's not really a script because uh, I think that those can be very rigid uh, and very impersonal. I remember going through a coaching program when I first graduated from chiropractic school and uh, was told to follow this script to a T, don't change any of the words. And don't get me wrong, there's a time and a place for a script. Um, however, uh, as soon as I started speaking from the script, I realized I was losing people because it just wasn't me. It wasn't a genuine delivery because maybe I didn't stand by exactly what was uh, described in the script, or it was coming from a place of fear. Um, it was a fear mongering type script that this uh, practice management group had typed up for me to say to a patient. And if you know me at all, I don't uh, come from a place of fear in the clinical setting. I think that there's a whole host of negativity in the world. They're not gonna hear an additional negative word or comment or phrase from me when they're already, when patients are already inundated with negativity left and right, front and center, top and bottom, everywhere they turn. So today's uh, episode is for you. If you want a, uh, a cool little rubric or at least a checklist, I think I'll call it a checklist of the five things that you should uh, clearly communicate to your new patients uh, at the report of findings. Some people do report of findings on day one, just at the end of the exam. Perfect, you know, it's not wrong. Some people like us, we do it on day two at the very start of the second visit. We put it all out on the line and we let them know uh, the five things um, that we discuss on this episode. Uh, but before I go any further, uh, this episode today actually has two sponsors. First one, uh, is our, our, our main sponsor of, of the Clinical Leadership Podcast, which is Midwest Rehabilitation Institute. We are an education entity, and we also have a coaching consulting uh, uh, side or division of our business as well. Today's episode is sponsored by Midwest. If you'd like to learn more about CEU events uh, or any upcoming uh, coaching programs, uh, go to mwri.co. Uh, we've got a ton of uh, in-person uh, CEU events in 2024. Nothing beats in-person events. I'm obviously biased because we run an education entity, but the webinar, um, the uh, the e-courses, the distance learning, that gets you uh, some pretty good information. But um, still, like as if I'm recording this right here in my home, I'm I'm limited in my creativity when I do things online. If I take a class and I'm sitting in my room all day every day. I'm limited to the creativity of these four walls, believe it or not. When I have to get up and travel and fly and book a hotel and take an Uber to a class and I sit uh, you know, my rear end into a seat, I'm 100% locked in. No distractions, the creativity, the ideas that I get from just physically being in the room, they're unmatched. I get a lot done when I travel. I get a lot done when I'm sitting in a class, whether I'm teaching it or whether I'm attending it. You can't beat it. And, and post lockdowns, post COVID, the time is now for us to get back into the classrooms, get back into the seminar uh, events. Um, and if you're like me, you might even be a little rusty uh, coming out of the lockdown. So it's good to get back into the clinical seminar 
re, uh, realm once more. So um, head to MidwestRehabilitationInstitute.com or if that's too long to type out, you could just do our short URL, which is mwri.co to check out a class that is headed to your area soon. We're headed to Louisville. We got Chicago. We got Chattanooga. We got Nashville. We got Milwaukee. We got a couple couple other you know things in the works as well. So be sure to check out uh, in your area courses that are coming soon. Secondly, uh, we have our first corporate sponsor of the podcast outside of Midwest. Uh, today's episode is also sponsored by JNAP. Uh, we have partnered with JNAP for 2024. Um, we got some pretty cool, um, pretty cool deals coming down the pike for our sponsorship partnership agreement with Jane. So uh, if you are on the verge of starting a new clinic or you currently run a clinic and you are looking at your options for EHR, um, in our opinion, obviously, because we, we reached out to the best and we only want to partner with the best, uh, we would encourage you to check out Jane app and book a discovery call with one of their reps to learn more about how Jane can help your functional rehab clinic. Um, they are offering a special one month free for all newcomers um, that use promo code or corporate code MWRI when they sign up. That's MWRI and you'll get your first month free simply for listening to this podcast and signing up for a new Jane app account. Um, from my own personal experience, Jane, Jane has the best customer service of all the EHR systems I've ever been involved with. And I've been involved with a lot, whether using them in clinic or using them um, through uh, indirectly through some of the clients that we work with on a regular basis in our coaching programs, uh, which is why in our new Cairo coaching program, which is any student who is looking to start a chiro, uh, a functional rehab chiropractic business as soon as they graduate, they want to graduate and they want to open up on their own, we recommend JNAP um, inside of our new Cairo coaching program. Uh, by the way, that program is for people who are new in business within the first 12 months of running their business. Um, that is the new Cairo program. And we recommend all of our clients to sign up with Jane. So um, those are our, our quick updates to the sponsors. I really appreciate you guys listening to that. Uh, it helps uh, deliver and scale the, the podcast when we've got you know, such uh, phenomenal sponsors. Uh, obviously, like I said, I'm biased with Midwest, but now we've got Jane App on board and we're really excited for their partnership in 2024. Now, uh, for today, you're really gonna enjoy today's uh, content. I know you're gonna get a lot out of it because this information has been shared with me and I am excited to share it with you. If anything resonates with you, anything um, that is really uh, that stands out is like your key takeaway, do me a favor and uh, take a screenshot of it. Write your key takeaway out on your Instagram um, story and tag me or Midwest in it. I am on Instagram at Dr. Alex Earl DC, and you can always tag Midwest, which is at Midwest Rehab. Uh, we would love to know what your key takeaways are from today's episode. So without further ado, let's dig into the five items you must discuss at your report of findings. All right, buckle up, everybody. Here we go. All right, so recently on one of our group calls, we were discussing um, the items to go over on your report of findings, uh, or some would refer to it as a day two. After day one, we've just gone through 
their complete patient history, their exercise history, uh, their short and long-term goals, and then the physical exam. Uh, and so day two is where we, we come back and we deliver our, uh, uh, what we believe to be our working diagnosis and a couple other things. But, we, but more importantly, we share the plan and the next steps on what it looks like on their journey with us. Uh, and so uh, as uh, a relatively newer in business individual uh, was asking me about this, um, I thought I'd share my answer that I gave on the group call. Um, thought I would share with you guys what I answered. And I'm open to feedback on anything that I might be missing, anything that you guys might uh, modify or change. Uh, but if you don't currently have some type of checklist of things to discuss or at least cover on your day two uh, report of findings day, then I hope that this is a valuable you know, podcast that you would share um, on social or if you are currently not implementing a checklist in your practice, then you would consider implementing this uh, right away. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It does involve a little bit of prep, um, but uh, but it, it shouldn't be any additional, it shouldn't be more prep than you currently are doing. Um, and let me just give you a little bit of backstory as to why I wanted to share this with you. Um, perhaps you're either running a business by yourself right now, or you are working in someone else's business. And so you're then inheriting their systems and their operating procedures. So you've just been doing things the way that you've been told or you've been trained. Um, but if you are at all considering opening up on your own or you currently are in business on your own and you want to refine your own systems, you know, then today's uh, podcast episode is really specifically for you because I'm in that process too of, of having my systems, but constantly looking to refine them and to sharpen them day in and day out and week in and week out and uh, ultimately month in and month out and year after year looking to constantly improve. So this is a, a call to improvement if you currently have something or if you don't have anything, it's easy to implement like I mentioned. So here we go. Um, there are five things that we uh, highlight and mention in our clinic when we are sitting a patient down to go over exactly what next steps with us look like. And I'll go through them kind of quickly, but we'll unpack them a little bit uh, in the coming um, episodes, uh, because I think it is important to kind of unpack them uh, in depth uh, to give you a, a little bit more clarity as to why these are the things that we want to discuss. So the first thing is it is a report of findings. So you are reporting back to them what you found in your exam and what if there's additional imaging, additional lab work whatever it is that um, clinically speaking, this is more of a, this is absolutely the point of the clinical discussion. Um, the number one item is we need you to deliver the working diagnosis. There are times where we get the diagnosis wrong. So that's why I call it a working diagnosis, but this is where uh, sometimes it's helpful to just label the thing that they are currently dealing with as, you know, as what we believe. And I do use that phrase, I believe, the working diagnosis for your current condition is, insert the blank, tendinopathy, rotator cuff tendinitis, uh, labral, uh, I don't, I try not to use the word tear, but labral injury, disc injury. You got a crack in a bone, if that, if that might be, you know, the, the presenting, uh, you know, clinical case. Whatever the clinical presentation is, you, you have to communicate the working diagnosis. Again, I'm not saying you have to get it correct. I'm saying you have to give your most um, 
your most accurate and uh, of all of the information shared with you, the working diagnosis. So that's number one, what you, uh, what you believe is the working diagnosis, if I can put it so uh, succinctly. Number two is the plan. What does the plan take? Now, this is also a clinical delivery. So you have to be very clinically sound. I know a lot of times in business programs, the clinical aspect of um, the business program is almost an afterthought, not with our program. Uh, in our world, we are expert clinicians who are trying to run expert businesses. And a lot of the clients that uh, have uh, either jumped into one of our coaching programs or signed up for the innovator program, they are already very sound clinicians, very sound, um, or on the verge of graduating and becoming a sound clinician. And, um, but they recognize that their business skills need to at least line up with or uh, track on the same rate of improvement that their clinical skills are. So clinically speaking, this is pretty easy to do. However, one of my favorite things to discuss is uh, the clinical side of our treatment plans. And I'm gonna do a whole episode on treatment plans and, uh, and plan of care proposals and how I think, I'll give you a little teaser here, how I think we in the functional rehab world are massively under-treating our patients, massively under-treating. The old, the old adage of, you know, get them in, get them out, uh, get them in, get them out of pain as quickly as possible. I think that's underserving our patients um, for fear of being labeled or being put in the same camp as more of the straight chiropractic world where they treat with endless treatment plans, um, trying to get people in on maintenance, weekly regular adjustments. Um, that's not us, that's not our model, that's not what we do. And yet we still have the same fear that we're gonna be lumped into the same category and labeled uh, in a, a, uh, an extreme uh, treatment plan provider or never ending treatment plans when that's fundamentally something that we don't do. But because we have that fear, then we swing the pendulum all the way over to the other side. And therefore, as soon as we can, two, three, four visits, we get someone out of pain and then boom, we're done. Hey, well done, we got you out of pain, Mrs. Smith. When in reality, the tissue healing timelines do not track along the same timeframes as quickly as symptom modification. That's a topic for another day. I just wanna give you a little uh, teaser for that. But number one, remember, we have to give them a working diagnosis. Number two, we have to share with them the plan. What does the plan look like? If, it, if it's uh, true, uh, if it's accurate, for example, if someone has a knee sprain and we think that they will be, you know, they will need treatment for anywhere from three to six weeks. I'll give a range. I think that you'll be, uh, you'll need some rehab here for th the next three to six weeks. I want to see you twice a week for the first three weeks and then once a week uh, or twice a week after uh, for the final three weeks. So you, you can plan on coming in, Mrs. Smith, one to two times a week for the next six weeks. So on the lower end, we're going to see you six times. On the higher end, we're going to see you 12 times. That is the plan. Uh, we will schedule those uh, in advance and I'll do another episode here soon on how we advance schedule our patients via our advanced scheduling system and the benefits of the advanced scheduling system. But again, the whole point is to make sure that they understand the plan, how many sessions you are recommending as a doctor and how many uh, weeks that they can plan on this recovery taking. So that's number two. Number three is how do they plan to pay for it? If they're using insurance, we have a lot of clinics uh, that work with us that are hybrid, meaning they have some uh, uh, some patients that pay them directly uh, with their cash 
their cash prices, and then they have some that uh, are in network with their uh, or they're in network with uh, certain uh, insurance carriers. So we do have a good balance of in network, hybrid, or completely 100% out of network cash clinics. It, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant if you take insurance or if you are cash. Patients need to know how much it's going to cost them. And cost is not just financial. It's also a time commitment. It's also an energy commitment. People might, if, if they work at eight, then we're going to have to get them up and get them to the office by seven, 7.15 to get them out by 7.45 on the, on the way to, uh, to the office by eight, which takes more energy to get up earlier. Not lost on me that I'm asking for, for that increase in cost of energy. So we need to be able to answer those questions on what will it cost the patient. And, and as, as I said a minute ago, cost is just, uh, finances are just one of the three areas that it costs our patients. Of course, it gets all of the attention as in what will this cost me financially, uh, but we very rarely factor in the time. Um, and that's a huge uh, sales point for us is, is, uh, is the time commitment. So um, anyways, uh, we do have to communicate what it will cost them, whether that is financially what insurance is going to cover or what insurance is not going to cover, which would leave the patient uh, portion uh, that they are responsible to pay. Um, from there, once we know how much insurance will cover or insurance is not going to cover and what the amount is that they're going to be held responsible to pay, then we give them a choice on how they want to pay for that. Do you want to pay for it all right now if we can? Do we want you to pay for it every time you show up? You're dropping your 30, 40. Uh, most recently, we saw an $80 copay at our clinic. That seems absurd to me, but it was, you know, do you just want to pay your copay every time you come in? $80. So every time you show up, we, we can expect you to pay $80. Perfectly fine. Sometimes we do payment plans for larger, um, larger deductible plans. If you've got a $5,000 uh, deductible, um, we're not hitting that in our office. Uh, most likely not hitting that unless it's a post-surgical case. Um, so, so how would you want to pay for that? And, and from there, we might break it up into all-in-one, three months, six months, 12-month payment options for their convenience. So they need to know how they're going to pay for it. And then number four is, do they enjoy the sessions? If they enjoyed the exam, if they enjoyed day two, then there's a greater likelihood that they will continue to, to follow up with us and come to their appointments on you know, sessions three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And I, I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but you could have all the right marketing, you could have all the right sales, you could say all the right things, but at the end of the day, if you are uh, clinically sound and technically insufficient, they'll drop off. I could tell you within five to 10 seconds, of having a Cairo student, a PT student, or an experienced clinician that just oozes confidence, I could close my eyes and I could tell you when the student, uh, when the student starts to palpate me, uh, when the student goes to adjust my neck. It's got nothing to do with experience. It's got a lot to do with confidence. There, there is confidence. In, in, there is a, um, there's a level of confidence that can be emitted through your touch. And if you are insufficient in your abilities, technically speaking, and clinically, if you're a little, um, you know, apprehensive or, um, yeah, I mean, if you're just not good, uh, I mean, I hate to I hate to say it, if you're just not good on the actual thing that we do, which is manual adjustments, soft tissue, um, 
you know, functional rehab, if you're not good at that and, and therefore um, patients are not enjoying the sessions, they won't come back. You can make all the right promises in your marketing. You can make all the right sales propositions with your, uh, your conversion conversation. But at the end of the day, if you suck, they're not coming back. So there is an element that we have to be good. We have to be good at what we do. Um, and so I don't want to downplay the clinical side because it is really important, right? The fifth thing, the fifth thing is I think the most important when it comes to preventing future drop-offs. And I, I hope of all of them, I hope you, you actually tattoo this uh, on your cerebral cortex, all right? Do they anticipate the next session? What are they looking forward to when they come back? If it's more of the same, I can only come so many times to your office to get the same massage, to get the same dry needling, to get the same three to five exercises, and to get the same five adjustments, five regional adjustments. Can only do that three or four times before I start to wonder, what the heck am I doing here? And then if I look around and I see everyone getting the same exact treatment, I'm definitely wondering, what the heck am I doing here? Why should I go back? They're telling me they're not a mill. They're telling me that it's not a, uh, that it's uh, it's individualized treatments. They they say that they pride themselves on everyone gets individualized care. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to come here. And yet, when I show up, I get the same thing as everybody else, and worse, I get the same thing every session. I've been doing bird dogs and dead bugs for six weeks. I'm pretty bored. I can't see how this plan is is going um, to help me in my short or long term goals. Therefore, it's easier for me to drop off and to say I can't afford it or and to say I'm just really busy at work and to say, yeah, I'm traveling. Those are the excuses we hear. But really, the internal feeling is I don't want to go back because I'm either bored or I can't see how this is how this is going to change. And I don't want to continue to do the same thing over and over again. So those those are the those are the five. Now, the, the fifth one, though, the last thing I want to say about it is, okay, if, if I have the potential to be boring, then what are some things that I could do to prevent someone from not wanting to come back? And these are the two ways that I go about it. Number one is I plant seeds about what we're going to do at the next session. And these better be true. So you can't be blowing smoke. So if someone just had a killer uh, core stability uh, session, an emphasis was more so on intra-abdominal pressure. And for example, disassociation of the lumbar spine uh, and the pelvis from the hip. Maybe you're practicing working on more hip flexion with a you know, good controlled intra-abdominal pressure. Differentiating of the limb. So i.e. what you're trying to get them to do is move isolated motion through the hip joint so that they're not moving through the pelvis and the low back. That's kind of like a clinical thing. But my point here is, let's say you did that supine. You did, um, you know, you did some variation of, uh, ironically, I made fun of it a minute ago, you do a variation of the dead bug. Great. I need to know that the next time I show up, we're not going to do the exact thing. Or if I have done it at home, you've noticed my improvement and we're going to do something else. So I, I would say something like this. Hey, I've really got some good ideas for us, uh, you know, based on how you, how well you just did on those bench bugs and those dead bugs. I've got a really good exercise that's the next progression of the dead bug that you just showed today that you did really well. So I'd love, we're going to go over that the next time you come in. 
So that's where they can start to visualize a progression. I even use the word, hey, you're going to progress you next time you come in. We're going to do the next exercise progression because you're ready for it. So they're starting to see in their own mind, I am progressing. I'm going to be doing a different, a different exercise, and I can't wait to see what that is. Um, the second thing that I do, the second uh, strategy or tactic that I do is um, I let them know that I have a couple of questions that I want to ask them at their next appointment. Hey, I got a couple ideas. I got a couple of questions that I'd love to, you know, pick your brain about. You know, people say to us all the time, "Hey, I got, I got, I got to ask you a couple of things. Can I pick your brain?" It's like, yeah, sure. Uh, but at the same time, how come we don't say that to our patients to plant, you know, seeds about the conversations that we're going to have at the next visit? Hey, I got a couple of questions about you, Mrs. Smith. Um, a couple of questions I want, I want to run past you. We didn't have time today to go over them, and I don't want to keep you. Um, but I really, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. We'll see you on Tuesday at four. And um, I've just wrote, wrote down these questions. I want to I want to ask you next week. Looking forward to see you next week. And what's happened before is sometimes I forget I, that I wrote those questions down. And the patient, when they show up, they're excited to come in for the appointment. And they ask me where those questions are. Hey, didn't you have a couple of questions for me? In which case, I, oh, yeah, yeah, here, here they are. And I pull out the questions and I start asking them. It solidifies that we're in this together, right? I'm not above anyone. Um, our patients, we partner with them and we guide them towards their short and long-term goals, but we can't do that if they drop off. And they drop off, um, you know, most often than not, someone drops off with some type of uh, excuse or some type of reason that has to do with one of the five things I just outlined. Whether they didn't agree with the diagnosis, they didn't understand it, they didn't accept it which is a whole different topic of conversation. Uh, the plan was not clearly outlined for them or they can't see where they're at in their recovery journey. And they, or they might, even, they might not even think that it's possible for them to recover. The third one, remember, is they don't, they don't, know, they don't know what this is gonna cost them. And I love to share the story of when my wife and I went to the ER for a visit and 30 days later, we got a massive bill in the mail even though every time we were there, every time we saw someone, we asked, hey, what's this gonna cost? What's the charge for this? What's the charge for that? We don't want a huge bill. I even said it out loud maybe a hundred times. We don't want a huge bill you know, to come in our mail, you know, come in the mailbox in 30 days. Well, that's what happened. Massive bill in the mail 30 days after an ER visit. We don't wanna do that to our patients. We wanna tell them what we think. Even if it's an estimate, we wanna tell them what we think it will cost. And the fourth one is, um, do they enjoy the sessions? As in, you cannot suck. You have to be good at what you do. You can't charge craftsmanship prices, but deliver uh, very underwhelming results, right? You can't charge craftsmanship prices and deliver very underwhelming results. And number five is, um, do they anticipate the next session? Are they looking forward to it or not? If the answer is no, then the reason that they drop off is because you haven't communicated what's to come. So anyways, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed these five bullets that we share with all of our new patients, with all of our interns, and with all of our staff to make sure that these items are touched on at every new patient report of finding, um, which sometimes it's done at the beginning of, uh, yeah, 99% of the time, this is done at the beginning of the report of findings day, day two. 
and um, feel free to you know start implementing it right away into your practice. And if you are interested, you know, uh, comment on Instagram, on YouTube, wherever you're watching this, wherever you consume your podcast. Um, it would mean the world to me if you could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating on our clinical leadership podcast. Um, we're trying to deliver world-class clinical uh, education at the same time you can run a world-class business. Um, so we're trying to elevate both the clinical side of the functional rehab and, and physical therapy professions, as well as individual private practices, which is possible. Anyways, I appreciate you guys so much for your attention today. More of these uh, podcast shorts in terms of business and, and um, kind of operations, if you'd like, are coming down the pike for the next uh, few weeks and few months. I hope you enjoy them. Please share them with your friends. And anytime you share it on social, be sure to tag either myself. I am at, uh, on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Alex Earl DC on Instagram. And uh, also you can tag uh, Midwest Rehab in Instagram post stories as well. Do me a favor, screenshot it, share it on your story. Uh, let me know your, your biggest takeaway from today's uh, um, podcast episode is, and I would be eternally grateful. So thank you so much, guys. And until next time, I give you permission to be successful.